The Wiz Kids had won it, Bobby Thompson had done it, and Yogi read the comics all the while. Rock and roll was being born, marijuana we would scorn. So down on the corner, the national pastime went on trial. We're talking baseball, Klazuski, Campanella, talking baseball. The man and Bobby Feller, the scooter, the barber, and the nuke. They knew them all from Boston to Dubuque, especially Willie, Mickey, and the Duke. All right, everybody, welcome on back to Baseball History 101. As always, I am Patrick DeVault. I am joined by the great and wonderful Matthew Carter. Hey. Today's episode, we're going to cover something a little bit different. Normally, we cover people and their abilities. Today, we're going to cover a uh, the Mitchell Report, which is calling out people for their juiced abilities. Yep. I think that's the best way I can sum that up. Yeah. Um, I'm sure a lot of y'all remember the old home run race that made a ton of the people of me and Matthew's generation. We're both in our early 30s. Fans of baseball was the home run race between Sammy and McGuire, and this kind of caught out everybody in that time period for being cheaters and bending the rules. Yep. Um, I guess for starters, it was a report to the commissioner of baseball of an independent investigation on illegal steroids and other PEDs um, by the players in Major League Baseball. And the U.S. Senator George J. Mitchell as the guy who's named, who carries his name, he um, he's a Democrat from Maine, and he served as Sim majority leader and a senator for. An, he was big in peace times and talks and stuff in um, Ireland and the Middle East, mm-hmm. um, and he was um, he'd been appointed as a. What's, what's the word? I guess a liaison between some of those countries where he did those agreements with. Yeah, it's like that. Yeah. But it's named in his honor. His name's George Mitchell. His last position of office was the United States Special Envoy for Middle East Peace under Obama's presidency, and he held that from 2009 to 2011. Yeah. But back to how it makes it work for baseball. The Mitchell Report, he had a 20-month investigation of the use of anabolic steroids and HGH. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a 409-page report released December 13th of 2007, and it covered the history of the use of legal PEDs by players, and it kind of, uh, on the backside, delved into the effectiveness of the Major League Baseball Joint Drug Prevention and Treatment Program. And it um, also... Gave recommendations for how baseball could curb those practices. Yeah. And the big kicker about this report is that it named 89 Major League Baseball players who were alleged to have used, keyword here is alleged, because a lot of these are unproven, to have um, used steroids or other PEDs. Where do you want to start off, Matt? Well, so... Bud Selig 
appointed George Mitchell to lead this investigation. On Oops. one more thing about George Mitchell. Yeah, I did not realize he was the ex-chairman of Walt Disney Company. Yeah, so this guy is fairly interesting. And so Bud Seidel appointed him to do this, to, to head this committee and do this report, investigate on March 30th, 2006, right? And, you know, in December 2017, it came out. And the, it, it's, it's known, it's, everybody knows this as the Mitchell Report, but the official name of it is the Report to the Commissioner of Baseball of an Independent Investigation into the illegal use of steroids and other performance-enhancing substances by players in Major League Baseball. Right. It's known the Mitchell Report because he was the independent investigator. Right. You know, kind of like uh, Dow. John Dow was the independent investigator on Pete Rose for his gambling ha- ha- habits back in the 80s. This guy is the independent guy to do the report. You know, he has no ties to Major League Baseball, but Selig had faith in him to do this. Because I guess of his background of, you know, I just, you know, diplomacy and all this stuff. And this came about because, you know, there was controversy from a book that was published in 2006 called The Game of Shadows by Lance Williams and Mark Fenariwada, who were San Francisco Chronicle investigative reporters. And that book chronicles alleged extensive use of performance enhancers, including several different types of steroids and growth hormones. By baseball superstars Barry Bonds, Gary Sheffield, and Jason Giambi. So that book specifically was calling them out and saying, hey, these guys are doing steroids. Yeah, and then there's another book. I have one bookshelf out here. It's called Juice. They did the same thing. Yeah. Jose Canseco's bitch ass snitched on everybody he played with that he knew did it. Yep. Which he got knocked out in the fight put on by Barstool Sports last uh, what last year. So that's that's how his, ter- his career turned out for him. <laughs> I enjoyed watching every second of Billy football knocking him out, but um, or getting a technical knockout or whatever. But yeah, there's there's a lot of gray area around this time period too, in my opinion, on steroids. Because up until a certain point, there was no testing. There was really you're not allowed to do this, but we're not going to test you for it. And like people that have been accused of being on steroids weren't, you know, there was no protocol. Right. So it's kind of the wild west of baseball. Yeah. It was and, a long ball era, really. And as we said in the 98 episode and other episodes, right, they started using steroids in the 80s. Players started using steroids in the 80s, right? And Major League Baseball turned a blind eye to it because they were more concerned about players doing cocaine than they were doing steroids. Yeah, cocaine and greenies. Right, cocaine and, and, amph- and amphetamines, greenies, right? So they turned a blind eye to it, and they did nothing to stop it while – you know, football was banned in steroids like in, I don't know, like 80s or 90s. Like NFL was banning steroids in the 80s or 90s. You know, and Major League Baseball wasn't doing anything about it. And then now, and then you, and then it all piles up into this investigation and people think, okay, this is getting bad. You know, this is not good. Steroids aren't, you know, you're learning more about steroids and the, the effects they have on your body. Like, yeah, this is not good, you know. So, and for those of you that don't know at home that don't know what greenies are, it's a stimulant. It's technically an amphetamine, and it's actually legally distributed in Mexico under the name Asimlex by a brand that I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce. But it's basically like Adderall way before Adderall, right? 
So the investigation, Mitchell's investigation focused on high-profile players without investigating the role teams played. And Mitchell reported that the Major League Baseball Players Association was largely uncooperative. Basically, they didn't want to help uh, Mitchell at all, basically, on this. So they're, I guess they're protecting the players. You know, I mean, that's what the player, the player association is about. So they're like, we're not going to help you. You know, according to Mitchell, the Players Association effectively discouraged players from cooperating with the investigation. In a memorandum to players, the association advised, while Senator Mitchell pledges in his memo that he will honor any player request for confidentiality in his report, he does not pledge because he cannot pledge that any information you provide will actually remain confidential and not be disclosed without your consent. For example, Senator Mitchell cannot promise that information you disclose will not be given to a federal or a state prosecutor, a congressional committee, or perhaps turn over in a private lawsuit in response to a request or a subpoena. So basically, if you participate in my report, you might end up with some damn legal charges on you because I'm going to turn it over to everybody. Right. You're going you're, you're gonna to get outed. And that's how you get help in writing your article or your report. Mm-hmm. That's how you get help with that. And that's probably a big part of why right. nobody yeah. really willingly participated in it. Yeah. Now, confidentiality was not an idle concern. The Players Association had agreed to anonymous testing in 2003 only to find out the list of players testing positive was turned over to the government as part of the BALCO, the Bay Area Laboratory Cooperative Investigation, you know, that Barry Bonds was tight linked yeah, to. Yeah, BALCO really kind of put the ball in motion on this whole thing, I feel like. Yeah. Mitchell agreed to give Commissioner Selig an advanced copy of the report while refusing to do the same with the Players Association. So this, in my opinion, goes back to the same deal with this lockout we just got over. Mm-hmm. Why is the... MLBPA not entitled to the same information as the league is. Right. There's a problem there, in my opinion. As a baseball fan, as a student of the game the same way you are, mm-hmm. that's a problem, in my opinion. Yeah, there's no... Uh, there's a lack of cooperation. There's no consistency. You know? If It's like if you get a criminal charge, the defense is given what's called discovery mm-hmm. from the prosecution. Yeah. You have the same information we have about your case. Why is that not the case in baseball? I don't know. And that goes back to, you know, we talked about it a little bit last episode or the episode before last, but, and that, that's kind of what most Metro report, you know, mm-hmm. only two active players were interviewed for the report. Of five players who were approached by the investigators for interviews because of their public statements on the issue, Toronto Blue Jays designated hitter and baseball Hall of Famer Frank Thomas was the only one willing to be interviewed. Big hurt, War Eagle. Yeah. And then, so you got some, now we got some names other than. Yeah, you got uh, first name's going to be Kirk Radomski. All right. Who was a former Bat Boy and Clubhouse employee for the Mets. And a critical witness provided most of the names that the general public did not know about. And I feel like the behind-the-scenes guys are who are going to want to get involved with this. Because yeah. they're the ones that are... That Bat Boy? I was a Bat Boy for the Montgomery Biscuits. Some of y'all know that. Um, Bat Boy slash Clubby. Yeah. And the Clubbies know more about what's going on than some of the players do sometimes. Yeah. You and, know, I mean, they... 
It was. I'm the one running and getting your groceries, running and getting you errands, and yeah. And most of the time they don't squeal, but Kirk did. Kirk did so. But he's got room to grow financially, where the players are already making money. So right, you know, he's looking out for himself. Yes, Mitchell was able to secure Radomski's cooperation through San Francisco, California U.S. Attorney Scott Schools. Radomski had been charged with distribution of a controlled substance and money laundering and faced up to 30 years in prison. He reached a plea bargain that was conditioned upon his cooperation with the Mitchell Report. And Radomski pled guilty to the charges, received a sentence of five years probation, and was fined $18,565. So, he avoided jail time with his plea bargain and also helping out with the Mitchell Report. Next guy was a trainer, Brian McNamee. Right, and he... He worked with Pettit, Clemens, Knobloch. So he's got that uh, Yankees tie. Right. So he's, you know, people think it nowadays, people think of Roger Clemens. They also think of Brian McNamee. And uh, the Mitchell Report alleges that McNamee helped acquire performance enhancing drugs, including steroids, amphetamines, and human growth hormone for some or all of the players he personally trained. McNamee told the Mitchell Commission that he began injecting Clemens with steroids in 1998. And continued to provide steroids through 2001. So I kind of feel bad for McNamee. He was just middleman Dan. Yeah. And um, I, I feel like he was like, hey, can you get me this crap? Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, I can, I can find it. Yeah. You know, and, and then Larry Starr, the next person in this who cooperated that wasn't a player. Uh, he was a trainer for 30 years with the Reds and the Florida Marlins. Starr was interviewed by Mitchell's investigators at least four times, but his information was entirely omitted from the final report. Starr has spoken freely about the subject with the press. He told a reporter, I have notes from the winter meetings where the owners group and the player association sat in meetings with the team physicians and team trainers. I was there. And team physicians stood up and said, look, we need to do something about this. We've got a problem here, and if we don't do something about it, and if we don't, you know, we got a problem here if we don't do something about it. And he said that was in 1988. Yeah, and then in another interview, he said that he didn't really, I'm not going verbatim with what he said, but he said, I don't really blame the players. They didn't abuse the system. Mm-hmm. They were just using the system. Um, and it kind of put the medical staffs in a bad situation and things like that. Because, you know, like, you're on extra stuff. And, but at the end of the day, he said there was no testing. No way we could accuse somebody point blank. You know, do what you do. And um, here's what he's really said about it. Here's the position I took. If I can't test... If I can't do anything objective with them, what I told my players was, come on in, referring to the training room. Mm-hmm. If you have any, if you've got any questions, we'll close the door, close the blinds. There'll be no papers, no pencils. And what do you want to know? And I told them everything I knew. And this is where it gets kind of into what we're getting into. He said, when Mark McGuire was discovered taking need a steroid that I can't pronounce. Yeah. When that hit ESPN, four players walked to my office in an hour and said, where can I get that drug? Mm-hmm. And Starr says that he knew first player. He knew that. I'm oh, sorry. 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 
Starr says that the first player that he knew to be using steroids was doing so in 1984, right? Which is also the same time the cocaine trials go on. And that multiple members of the 1997 World Championship Marlins, Hordor Marlins team used steroids. In 2000, Starr found a bag of syringes belonging to Marlins pitcher Ricky Bones and reported it to his superiors, who sent the information up to the chain, up the chain to the commissioner's office. No action was taken. The incident was not included in the Mitchell report. Starr told reporters, someone ought to ask Mr. Seelig whether he had any suspicion at all. Was there any one time from 1990 to 2003 that you had any suspicion that people were doing something wrong or cheating? If he says no to that question, he must not have watched many games. Referring back to the 1980s, he told another reporter, you have to live in Siberia to not know what was, what is, you didn't know what was going on. So, you know, it was very rampant. As you can imagine, steroids use was. Did Larry Starr admit to getting anybody anything? I don't believe he did. I, I believe he just, well, wait a minute. Well, he just. I feel like he said, I'll get it for you, but then he's snitching on people. Right. So I don't know. There must have been a term where he got burned on somebody for it. Yeah. But it just. Because there's no, no paper, no pencils, you know. Right. He, um. He must be known something like you know. I don't totally blame the players' new systems. Maybe because he knew where to get the stuff, and he didn't have it. But like he knew people, you know. Mm -hmm. But he's just turned on everybody. But like his stuff was not included in the Mitchell report, which blows my mind. It's like you interview this guy, you don't include on. Maybe he wasn't a reliable source. But anyway, on the eve of the Mitchell report's release. Starr told the New York Daily News, from the conversations I had with them, I got the feeling that they were very open to what I had to say. They were not just after names. I really felt like they wanted to hear the background of all this. I didn't feel like I was wasting my time. Neither Starr's information indicating MLB's decades of knowledge, nor Starr's name appears anywhere in the Mitchell Report. So, I, think, I guess they didn't feel like he was that valuable of a source. Guess not. Yeah. Okay, so the Mitchell Report's findings. This is a good one. So the Mitchell Report's findings. The report describes motivations for its preparation, including health effects of steroids, legal issues, fair play, and reports that baseball players acted as role models for child athletes. For example, after news coverage in August 1998 that Mark McGuire had used the then-legal Andro... Androstenedione. That's the same one I tried to pronounce earlier and I gave up on. Most people just call it Andro. A steroid precursor. Sales of that supplement increased over 1,000%. And the National Institute on Drug Abuse reported that 8% of male high school senior athletes had used Andro in 2001. So they see Mark McGuire doing it. And at the time that he was using it, it was legal. And they think, well, if it's legal and Mark's using it, hitting home runs, why can't us? Why can't we do it? Why can't I hit home runs? You're using this. Um, I'd be lying if I said I didn't play baseball with guys in college. When I was at the NCAA, level, I got drug tested, but I played ball with guys in college that were on the same stuff. There's a certain guy I'm not going to name. Um, if any of my teammates listen to this, they'll know what I'm talking about. He got released from our team in junior college. Because of his mental state over that shit. Yikes. 
It's no good. The Mitchell Mitchell reported that during the random testing in 2003, 5-7% to of players tested positive for steroid use. Players on the 40-man roster of Major League teams were exempt from testing until 2004. One player is quoted, 40-man roster guys already have all the Major League club advantages, and then they could use steroids. It was not a level playing field. You know, so... You know, but like I said, baseball is a competitive game. You got everybody tries to find a way to get ahead in baseball, like advance their career or what have you. And steroids was just one of those ways that people did. It's a competitive advantage, especially the time when it wasn't tested for. Right, they didn't test it. They didn't do. And basically, baseball did nothing about it. Right, they did. No, this. What I like to love is this the gray area. You know, it's yeah. When the NFL is doing something that Major League Baseball is not doing, that's a problem. <laughs> Because the NFL was banning that stuff and testing it all the time. And the baseball's just like, eh, I guess we could test it now. Well, and talking about the scandals, we already talked about Palco. You had a player, Marvin Bernard, mm-hmm. Barry, Bobby Esvea, Giambi, Giambi. Well, Jeremy, oh, rest in peace to uh, Jeremy Giambi. He passed yeah. away recently. Yeah, but both Giambis. Armando Rios, Benito Santiago, here's yeah. a big name. Yeah, Gary Sheffield with the bat waggle, uh-huh. um, Randy Velarde. And those were the nine that were implicated in Valco. And then behind that, you're going to have a lot of Kirk Redamsey's clients, 53 attached to this guy. 53, Tristan Redamsey. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and a lot of them are guys you never heard of. Let's see, Kevin Brown, the pitcher. I remember him. He got linked. Clemens is in there with him. Yep. Um, guy named Jack Cust. Uh, I'll start at the top. Y'all aren't gonna know a lot of these names, so we'll just run them through. Mm-hmm. Chad Allen, Mike Bell. Gary Bennett, Larry Bigby, Kevin Brown, Mike Carrion, Jason Christensen, Howie Clark. So it's a lot of guys we hadn't really heard of. Well, then you have- Roger Clemens is yeah. the next one. Jack Cust, Brendan Donnelly, Chris Donald's Lenny Dykstra. And he's a crazy person. I love Lenny Dykstra yeah. because he's wild. Yeah. Matt Franco, Ryan Franklin. Eric Gagne, that was a big, he was a big time closer at that time period. Yeah, he had that. Uh, we came in, it was lights out. He was the Kimbrel of his time period. Yeah. Jason Grimsley, I remember him. You know. Jerry Harrison. Yeah. Oh, yeah, his his dad or granddad played in the Negro Leagues. Yep. And his son's in the game now, I believe. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a baseball family that we didn't talk about. We'll have to do that revisited. Man, it, it just keeps going on and on. How many of these? David Justice was the implicated in it. Wow. Glenn Allen Hill, I remember him. Todd Hundley. Knobloch. Chuck Knobloch, yeah. Uh, Tim Laker, don't know. Paul LaDuca. I'm big. So he, when he worked for Barstool, he worked for Barstool briefly as a gambling guy because he's a big horse racing guy now. Yeah. And he worked for Barstool very briefly, and somebody at Barstool called him out on that, and he was like, that's the biggest load of bleepity, bleepity, bleep, bleep, bleep. 
Oh, man. But uh, apparently Radamski had three checks showing transactions $30 each where Leduca got to juice. <laughs> Dude, this, this, this Radamski guy, he, he, he's an open book. He's like, I got check stubs. Yeah. I mean, there, yeah, like check stubs, like Kent Merker, he was a pitcher for the Braves. I believe, yeah. I mean, it was uh, yeah. Danny Nagel played for the Braves. Danny also, Nagel, I yeah. I mean, I mean, like in, this guy seemed like legit. Like, hey, I can back up my claims. That There's I, Andy Pettit on this list. Yeah, Andy Pettit got yeah. linked. Um, oh, let's see, Brian Roberts, who played for the Orioles. Mike Stanton, but not the Mike Stanton we know. No, not John Carlo. That he, that's before his time. David Segee. No, I'm thinking of Diego Segui, but like... I still call John Carlo Mike. Is that wrong? That's the wrong way. Uh, but no, this guy, this guy, he, he produced our check stubs and stuff for all of these people that he implicated. Former Hustle star Miguel Tejada. He's on there. Well, you know what? I think this whole thing might have started right here on our hometown. It probably did. We had Giambi, McGuire, and what came through here? Canseco. And Tejada. Yeah, Tejada. Steroids, uh, man. There's probably a dozen guys implicated in this that came. Mo Vaughn, that's another one. Yeah. I love Big Mo. Big Mo. I hate he was involved in that, yeah. yeah. But he produced checks. He produced canceled checks. Greg Zahn, I remember him. Yeah, I mean, he produced, this guy seemed like he was legit. It's like, hey, I got these guys' checks that I can prove that they bought steroids. Signed by them. Signed by them. That's they matched their baseball, so you're in the stands. Yeah. And then. There was a, and then like there were sixteen players connected to Signature Pharmacy. At the time, there were eight current players and eight former players. So you know it's even. They were mentioned in the media as purchasers of pharmacy drugs from Signature Pharmacy, and several rejuvenation centers. I guess linked to Signature Pharmacy. Several online pharmacies, including Signature, anti-aging clinics, and doctors that have issued prescriptions for performance drugs have been under investigation by the federal and state authorities. Mitchell requested the 16 players to interview him, but only Jose Canseco accepted his offer. So, Rick Gankiel's one of them, right? I remember, I think he started as a pitcher and then he went to outfield. Um, Is that right? I think that's it. Yeah, he started as a pitcher and had to have Tommy John and it was irreparable or something like that. Um, he was great for the Cardinals. Brought brought the... Brought the great team of St. Louis a World Series championship as an outfielder. Yeah. Or they start as an outfielder and become a pitcher. It's one of the two ways. I'm backwards on that. It it was a decade and a half ago. If anybody wants to correct a sign, you can email us at baseball. baseball We got it right one of the two ways. Yeah. Baseball Baseball HIS101 at gmail.com. Let's see. Paul Bird, he was on the. He was playing in the Indians in 2007. Of course, Jose Canseco, we mentioned him. Jay Gibbons, vaguely remember him. Troy Glouse with the Angels. Oh, I forgot about that. Oh, man. yeah. Jason Grimsley. Jose Guillen. I used to have a Glouse jersey. Yeah. Of course, we mentioned Jerry Harrison Jr. in the Radomski, so now they linked him with Fish Signature Pharmacy as well. So, you know. His granddad would have been. It's just a wild west of everybody just shooting up needles right in the, in the butt cheek. And Gary Matthews Jr., his dad, Gary Matthews Sr., played in the 70s. Uh, you know, for the Giants and I think Braves too, as well. John Rocker, 
Crazy John Rocker. Well, no, that, that's not surprising anybody. Yeah, that if he if he told me that he was on steroids still to this day, I'd be like, I'd buy it. Yeah. Last time I actually had to meet John Rocker in person, he was at the uh, Huntsville Stars game in the tail end of their existence, signing copies of his autobiography. I vaguely remembered that, like hearing about that. I never went to that game. He's also on um, a season of Survivor where him and his girlfriend, and everybody figures out who he is, and it's like, John Rocker's a racist. We got to put him out. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I think it was season 27 or something. There's damn 45 seasons of that crap now. But Yeah, he's a, he's, he's a character. Matt Williams. I used to love when that John Rocker sprinted at the mountain, though, when we were kids. Yeah. Uh, Matt Williams, who played for the Giants and the Diamondbacks. He's on the uh, Giants Walk of Fame. Yeah. That's one of the pictures I sent you when I was out there in September. That's right. I remember that. Uh, Ismael Valdez, Scott, Sean Weiss, uh, you know, Steve Woodard. And then there was only two players identified through direct interview. Daniel Nalty. It's two people I've never heard of. Right. And he played – he was a pitcher. He played – for the Twins and the Yankees from 96 to 99. He is the only player mentioned in the Metro report to openly admit to using performance-enhancing drugs in the report. So, you know, even though he wasn't a big-name guy, he admitted it. And apparently he expressed remorse for his admitted use of steroid and human growth hormone over several years as a player in both the major and the minor leagues during a telephone interview with the Metro report investigators. So he admitted it, and he expressed remorse that he did it. So, you know... And then Wally Joyner. Oh, man, I remember Wally Joyner. Let's say, you know, he played for the Angels and the Padres. I remember Wally Joyner. And the Royals, too, and the Braves, briefly. But... I forgot about that. Yeah, but it was very brief. It was like 2000. I get him confused with John Olroot, and I don't know why, but Olroot... Always held, had a helmet. Well, yeah, I was about to say, one wore a helmet and one didn't. Right. And maybe because he brought up the J in the name. I, it was weird. Anyway, in an interview for this investigation, Joyner, this is what the report's saying, Joyner told us that he struggled with the decision whether to try steroids, but eventually he decided that to use them. After taking the drugs three times, Joyner decided that he had made a mistake, discarded the rest of the pills, and never tried illegal performing hands and substances again. So... You know, he tried it. He didn't like it. And then you got seven players identified in the report through other means. So, and then some, like, you know, of the seven players that were identified through other means, like um, Manny Alexander, this guy, you know, from the Dominican Republic, he played for the Orioles, Mets, Cubs, Red Sox, Rangers, and Padres from 92 to 2006. Um... And on June 30th, 2000, police discovered steroids and two hypodermic needles in the glove box of Alexander's vehicle. Alexander had loaned the vehicle to a clubhouse employee of the Red Sox, Carlos Coward, and Coward and his friend were sitting in the parked car when the officers approached in, in the belief that the vehicle might have been stolen. So, through the police discovering steroids in this guy's car, they, he got leaked because the steroids were that way. And then Ricky Bones, uh, the Mar- let's see, a Marlins clubhouse attendant, discovered syringes and two kinds of steroids, Stanozolol and Nadr- Nadrolone Decanote, uh, Decanote, 
and a paper bag inside Bones' locker. When questioned by Mitchell reporters, Bones admitted that he had procured the steroids from his doctor, or from a doctor in his native Puerto Rico, and then mentioned them to himself. So, you know, they discovered it in his, in his uh, locker, and then Mitchell Port questioned him and said, yeah, I, those are mine. And then you got Alice Cabrera from Venezuela. He played for the Diamondbacks, and he also played in Japan for 12 seasons. Let's see, he played for the Diamondbacks from... He basically had a cup of coffee with Diamondbacks. He played mostly in the in, in Japan. Uh, he played like one season for the Diamondbacks. Let's see. In September 2000, a package intended for Cabrera was delivered to the Arizona Diamondbacks clubhouse. Clubhouse attendants reported that the package to the reported the package to the trainers and told Cabrera the package was lost. So they found the package and they you know and they gave it to the trainers and they lied to Cabrera saying the package was lost. Like hey. You know, we lost the package. You know, sorry, man. League officials tested the contents of the package and it discovered it contained anabolic steroids. Uh, it, Winstraw was the one that the, this anabolic steroid. That's, so, that's the one everybody was doing when I was in college. Winstraw? Yeah. Yeah. And over-the-counter diet pills. Through investigation of the package, Major League Baseball discovered that players with the El Paso Diablos, a minor league team affiliated with Diamondbacks, regularly... Yeah, the Chihuahuas now. Yeah, the right? Chihuahuas. Yeah, yeah. So they re- with uh, minor league players with the El Paso Diablos regularly cross the border into Mexico to purchase steroids. Oh, I didn't think about the logistics of how close they were to Mexico. Now. Yeah, they're so close. Cabrera wasn't able to be tested. And you got a passport and a half hour car ride. You got some juice. Yeah, you know. I mean, you could do it in a day. Um, Cabrera wasn't able to be tested regarding the package. But he but denied ever having used ever used steroids after the report was released. And then you got Paxton Crawford, who had a cup of coffee in the major leagues from 2000-2001. He was a pitcher, he played for the Red Sox. He was from Arkansas, so that's cool. Crawford admitted to using human growth hormone human growth hormone and steroids while playing for the Boston Red Sox in 2001-2002. Although that's says 2001-2002, and his Wikipedia page is 2000-2001, so I had to double-checked his baseball reference page to see which which is the right years. He could it's have a little homework for you guys at home. Figure out which years it is. Yeah. I mean, he could be the minor. He could have been like in the Red Sox minor leagues in 2002. Yeah, in the system or like 40-man or... Yeah, or something like that. In an ESPN article, ESPN the Magazine article, back when that was cool, uh, Crawford recounted... It used to be the best magazine. It was great. Now, it, was better than, it was better than Sports Illustrated was. Yeah. Was that saying something? Uh, in an article from ESPN Magazine, Crawford recounted the incident where syringes had fallen on the floor of the locker room, causing other players to laugh. Crawford declined to be interviewed for the Mitchell investigation, saying that he did not do that stuff anymore. Other Red Sox players denied the syringe droppings that ever happened. And then you got the, probably the biggest name of this, of this list. Juan Gonzalez and Gonzalez played for the Rangers from 89 to 99, 2002-2003. I think he also played for the Tigers and the Indians and the Royals. So he played from 89 to 2005. Three-time All-Star, two-time MVP, ALVP, six-time Slugger Award winner, two-time American Home Run leader, one-year one, one year, uh 
AL RBI leader. He's in the Texas Rangers Hall of Fame. This dude, out of all the guys listed and the players outed by other means, this was the biggest name out of all of them, for sure. And he probably didn't need the juice. He probably didn't need it. The man had talent. I mean, Duke could hit. He could play. It comes back to Bonds. Like, Bonds didn't really need it. Yeah. He, he, had the, he had the clean pop to have a Hall of Fame career. Would he have had the power numbers? Absolutely not. But Right. You know. But anyway. But he would have still had Hall of Fame numbers. More yeah. likely. Absolutely. As I mean, a pure hitter. He could have gotten. I mean, if he didn't, if he didn't do steroids, probably gotten Hall of Fame. But okay, so on October fourth, should be, but we'll get there. That's a different topic. He's in the Rangers Hall of Fame. Doesn't matter. Uh, on October fourth, two thousand one, an unmarked bag in the Indians' team luggage was detained by Canadian Customs in Toronto because I guess they were gonna go play Toronto. Gonzalez, or no, it's probably oh, and they flew private, so they just stuffed it in the plane. All right, so it's probably at the end of the season. Oh, yeah, because oh they, they pushed the season back because of 9-11, so they're probably still finishing up the regular season. Yeah. Uh, so an unmarked bag was detained by Canadian Customs. Gonzalez's assistant said that the bag belonged to Angel President Angel Presnell, a prominent personal trainer for a number of professional players, but Presnell claimed that the bag belonged to Gonzalez. Canadian Customs then interviewed Gonzalez, who said that he had no knowledge of the bag's contents, and said that he sent it down to be included with the team's luggage at Presnell's request. Let's see. So now we got a lot of he said, she said going. Yeah, I mean, you know. And then his response, I guess, after the report was, there's a lot to talk about. So after his response... After the Mitchell report was released, his response was not only was the ownership of the bag disputed, but also whether the bag actually contained steroids. Although President Al claimed the bag was not his, he said that he was not aware that he, he said that he was aware of the, its contents and that they were not in fact steroids. He stated that the bag contained Solidec, which is a painkiller, Dolo Neurobion, a vitamin B complex used in fighting the flu, and Clenbuterol, which is a stimulant similar to Ephedrine, which is believed by some to promote muscle tone and weight loss, but not a steroid according to the Mitchell Report. Gonzalez immediately cut ties with the trainer following the incident. And then in 2007, ESPN published an article on his website about Presnell describing him as a fitness guru, massage therapist, and personal trainer to baseball's Latino elite. In the same article, ESPN John Hart, ESPN asked John Hart, the former Indians general manager, who also was with the Braves, or maybe still with the Braves. No, no, he, he was with the Braves. Yeah, I think um, he was until the, the AA. AA, that's right, yeah. I, until Aaron, until Antopoulos came in, I think he was with the Braves, and he kind of took a side roll, if I'm not mistaken. I, I always, if I'm mistaken, y'all let us know. But I keep forgetting that AA is still the, is the gym manager right now for the Braves. I think he's doing a good job. You know, I mean, with the money he's getting by a big ass corporation, and then like he, he, want, he, you know, he helped put the team together to win the World Series this past year. So there you go. Uh, everybody called him a scrub for the moves he made in the middle of the season, and it paid off. He, he made it work. So when ESPN asked John Hart about the 2001 incident involving Presnell, Hart said that the team looked into the matter and ultimately exonerated Gonzalez. And let's see, like his former teammate Hall of Famer Ivan Rodriguez, Gonzalez has consistently stated over the years that he had ne- he has never taken steroids and is in fact a vegetarian. In, two- in a 2007 interview with USA Today, 
Gonzalez said, I've always said whenever they want to test me, they can. I've never tested positive or used any of those things. And then in 2010 interview, sorry, in a 2010 interview with ESPN Deportes in Puerto Rico, Gonzalez said players' legacies will forever be questioned after Jose Canseco wrote in 2005 that he introduced several players to steroids and PEDs. And then Central, and then you know George Mitchell produced a report about Major League Baseball 2007 about the use of banned substances in the game. It will affect us, said Gonzalez. The media is going to be driven by this whenever my name and others are mentioned. I never use any of that stuff. I have nothing to hide. Nothing. And I offer to be tested whenever they wanted. If you have nothing to hide, there is nothing to worry about, Gonzalez said. So he was pretty adamant that he didn't do steroids. And uh, he says he's never been tested, and you know that's where he stands. And then the last player that was outed by different means was Mike Judd, who was a pitcher... And he played for the Dodgers and the Devil Rays and the Rangers from 97-2001. And around May 1999, Todd Seiler, a minor league strength and conditioning coach, began to speak to players, including Judd, about performances and drugs. Seiler stated that the players were given were to give money to Matt Herdes or Paul Loduca, who we just mentioned, like both those guys, so they could purchase steroids. Siler recalled that he had observed Judd inject himself with either Deca Duro Bolin or Winstraw in July 1999. Siler believed Judd continued to use the steroid for the next six weeks based on conversations with him. Judd did not respond to a request to interview with the Mitchell Report. And then oh, there's also another guy, Ricky Stone. He got he's also mentioned, but you know, he played from 2001-2007 for the Astros, Padres, Reds. But Wikipedia, well, I'm sorry, we're getting this on Wikipedia. It, Wikipedia does not mention the way that he got outed for using steroids. So, you know, we'll have to read the, we would have to read the whole Mitchell Report to figure it out. Or maybe the Mitchell Report just, surely the Mitchell Report just didn't, like, leave an explanation, like, just leave right. an explanation. So I apologize for that, guys. <laughs> but he was outed. With, he was one of the seven players who was outed for different means. Like I said, all in all, in all, eighty-nine former and current major league players are named in the report, and among those implicated, like like we said, well-known players like Clemens, Pettit, Tejada, Eric Gagne. Many of them are connected through a relatively small social network centering around centering on Kirk Radomski, which yeah. He, I think like what fifty three the eighty nine were part of Radomski. I mean that was just. Oh no! I um, I was just looking at something a second ago. It's on Baseball Almanac. There's a list of the Mitchell Report, mm-hmm. and it's one of those lists where it's like check a column for this, check a column from this, kind of comparing who did what. Yeah. Radomski's you got Balco in the left column with five checks. Mm-hmm. You got the internet with 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 16 17, 18, probably 19 checks. Mm-hmm. And then Radomski is that big, thick line of check marks down the middle. <laughs> um, baseball Almanac, if you Google, or if you Google Baseball Almanac, if you go on Baseball Almanac and you pull up the Mitchell Report, it will give you a list of who snitched on who. And the Radomski guy has a very astounding 
number of how many people he told the tale on. Yeah. It's just, it's remarkable how many people. No, it, it, no, Matt, like, it's just absurd. Yeah. It's that big line of check marks in his hand. <laughs> My man ain't nothing but a snitch, but he's trying to save himself because he's the guy getting the drugs for him. Right. So, and now we get to the recommendations that Mitchell has recommended Major League Baseball should do to clean this up. And there are three recommendations. Number one, Major League Baseball should utilize an independent testing administrator to improve their capability to investigate the use of performance-enhancing drugs above and beyond the current urine testing program. Additionally, Major League Baseball should improve their methods of barring the drugs from the clubhouse. Number two, MLB should improve their efforts to educate the players and others regarding the grim health dangers that result from this drug use. And number three, when the club owners and the Players Association take up negotiations regarding the league's drug program again, they should be guided by modern and first-rate standards. And so now we get to the conclusion. Well, there's many different conclusions. Uh, Mitchell expressed his hope that readers of this report will look past the players' names that are included in the report and focus on the conclusions he reached during his investigation. Mitchell presents his conclusions in five sections. Number one, MLB's 2002 response to steroid use resulted in players switching from detectable steroids to undetectable HGH. The use of steroids, sorry, the, number two, the use of performance-enhancing substances by players is illegal and ethically wrong. While players that use illegal substances are responsible for their actions, that responsibility is shared by the entire baseball community for failing to recognize the problem sooner. An exhaustive investigation attempting to identify every player that has used legal substances would not be beneficial. And then lastly, Major League Baseball should adopt the recommendations of the report as a first step in eliminating the use of illegal substances. So that was the report. And now you get to everybody's reaction. To Which this. led to a congressional... Congressional hearing? Congressional hearing and media outcry and all of it. It's just a train wreck. Right. And so, you know, after the report was released, Celia, of course, had a press conference because he was the one that commissioned this report. Mm -hmm. And he... Well, y'all can't see me. I'm doing air quotes right now. Yeah. He commissioned the report. <laughs> yeah, because he's the commissioner. <laughs> but he didn't want to commission it, but... Right. But outside sources are like, you know, we're pressuring him to do we something. We got a problem here, and you need to do something as the commissioner. Right. And so Celia called the press conference, and he called the Mitchell report a call to action... And I will act. Okay. Seeley indicated that the that it's possible that some of the players named on the report may face disciplinary actions. He said discipline of players and others identified in the report will be determined on a case-by-case -case basis. If warranted, those decisions will be made swiftly. And, of course, you have Donald Fear, who at the time was the executive director of MLB's Players Association. And we'll get to talk about him when we talk about the strikes in another episode. Because he was a big part of the 94 strike. Uh, he also held a news conference in which he expressed his disappointment that the union was not given a chance to read the report beforehand. Well, 
Dude, that's a problem. That's a problem. But at the same time, it's like you did nothing to help the report at all. So, of course, Mitchell was like, I'm not going to give you an advanced copy of the report. Yeah, but but you, I mean, as the head of the players' union, if you're going to inform your players of stuff, you should be entitled to said. Right. In spite, yeah, I mean, in spite, I mean, sure, in spite of your reluctance to help Mitchell in the support, you probably should. I thought you're entitled to that information. It's, it's, like we talked about earlier, in a legal case, you're entitled to the quote unquote discovery. Yeah. And the fact that it wasn't available to them right. as a union. Now, he, now, fear accepted some responsibility for the steroid problems, but expressed concern for how the league would treat the players named in the report. And, of course, you know, Clemens, yeah, Clemens is, was deemed the most standout name on the list. And he issued a responsive report through his agent saying, I want to state clearly that without qualification, I do not take steroids, human growth hormones, or any other banned substance at any time in my baseball career, or in fact, in my entire life. And then even George W. Bush the president of the United States at the time, and of course he also used to former 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 Texas Rangers owner. Yeah, even he had a, a a saying on this. He had a comment. He stated that we can jump to this conclusion that steroids have sullied the game. He said that he had no prior knowledge or awareness of the player steroid use. He added, "My hope is that this report is a part of putting the steroid era of baseball behind us." I can see George W. Bush with little squints. Oh, we can, we can, we can jump to this conclusion. Yeah, and like move his hands. I mean, yeah, just yeah. <laughs> move up for those of y'all at home. We're not on video. I'm just putting my hands over. Yeah, and so now we're gonna talk about drug testing after the report. Like you know, Major League Baseball's drug testing policy became more strict after the Mitchell report came out. Oh, very heavily. Right, allegedly in hopes of stopping steroid use in baseball. Or professional baseball. Before the Mitchell report came out, MLB had one unannounced mandatory test each year for every player and random tests for selective players during the season and offseason. Each drug test examined each player's for steroids, steroid precursors, and designer steroids. If caught, suspensions without pay occurred. The first positive test resulted in a suspension for 10 days, second for 30 days, third for 60 days, and the fourth Positive test resulted in one year suspension. That's nothing compared to what it is now. Right. First one's half the season, second one's full season, next one's life. Right. There, that's you know that's after the after the report came out, MLB marked increased testing and punishments. Now baseball tests unannounced twice a year for all players, and random testing still occurs for selected players. Uh, MLB also tests for more substances. As of 2015, the MLB's Joint Drug Prevention and Treatment Program tests for eight different abusive drugs. 74. So I've been in a double-A locker room yeah. after these new rules, and the players rolling off the field, the damn testing agent rolls into a clubhouse, mm -hmm. and as they come out of the field, here's a cup for you, 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 here's yep. a cup for you. Everybody gets a cup. Everybody gets a cup. Uh, so, the Joint Drug test, Prevention Testing Program, they test for eight different abusive drugs, 74 performance-enhancing drugs, and 56 stimulants. One of the 74 performance-enhancing drugs is HGH, which 
it, it was a substance that was never tested before the Mitchell report because no reliable test existed. But after it, it does exist. Along with the increase of substances tested for, tested for came an increase in suspensions without pay. First positive test now results in 80 game suspension. Second is the full season, 162 games. And a third positive results in a lifetime suspension from MLB. Right? Don't do, just don't do steroids. You know? Yeah, don't. Conflict of interest allegations. Okay, so apparently you're trying to call conflict of interest against the Mitchell Report. Some question whether being a director of the Boston Red Sox created a conflict of interest for the Mitchell Report, especially because no prime Red Sox players were named in the report. So, despite the fact that Red Sox stars David Ortiz and Manny Ramirez were later alleged to have used performing enhancing substances during the 2003 season. Well, David Ortiz has known the fact that he did steroids, but it was before they were illegal. Right. He's owned it. He's owned it. He said, I did it. They weren't illegal. And now he's in the Hall of Fame because he has a better personality than Monta Clemens. And he's... Well, and Roger Clemens doesn't know where he's legal. Yeah. You know, that has to be part of it. Like, David Ortiz said, yeah, I did steroids. But they were legal. They weren't testing. Right. And now he, and now he, and after that he didn't do it. Yeah, so they thought there was a conflict of interest because they didn't name any big name Red Sox players, you know. But they named Yankees players like Clemens and Pettit. Um, and also, likewise, a report commissioned by Sea Lake. The report was commissioned by Sea Lake, and no members of the Milwaukee Brewers, who, as we said before, Sea Lake used to own, appeared in the report. <coughs> Ryan Brown. Yeah. Ryan Braun, denied, denied, denied. I called again. Okay, I do it. Yeah. Get out of here. Screw it. I'm cheater. Now, the report, now, so it was released in December, but it was leaked. Somebody leaked it to the San Francisco Chronicle before the 2007 ALCS between the Indians and Red Sox. And this, co- this was cause, um, this was caused for some players and media members to note the curious timing of the leak. In particular, Indians pitcher Paul Bird, along with some of his teammates, felt that the timing of the publicized felt that the timing of publicizing Bird's alleged steroid use was suspicious. And then you have you know other guys like you know former U.S. prosecutor John Dowd, who we mentioned he went after Pete Rose, also brought up allegations of Mitchell's conflict of interest. Dowd, who had defended John McCain during the... That doesn't matter. John Dowd cited how he took exception to Mitchell scolding of McCain and others uh, for having a conflict of interest with their actions in the case and how baseball, how the baseball investigation would be a burden for him when Mitchell was named to lead it. Okay, so... We're talking about McCain, the politician. Right, John Just McCain. Just all know him. John McCain. Right. Um, rest in peace, John McCain. Because apparently, oh, we're talking former politician McCain, ran president, all of that. We're talking that John McCain. Yeah. So, so okay. So John Dowd defended McCain during the Keating Five investigation late eighties, which that's not baseball related. If you want to look that up, you're feel free to. But Dowd apparently didn't like Mitchell because Mitchell scolded McCain for that conflict of interest during the the Keating investigation. So there's some beef between Mitchell so and beef from their political careers right. that led into this. Because they're both they were both prosecutors. You know. 
And they're both called to investigate something in baseball. So they have something in common. Um, however, after the investigation, Dowd later told the Baltimore Sun that he was convinced the former senator had done a good job. So I guess he, you know, he was convinced that Mitchell did a good job in this report. So whatever. You know, okay, John Dowd, you know. <laughs> And well, then, yeah, I feel like Mitchell did a good job in the report, too, but he's just kind of snitch. Right, and then the Los Angeles Times reported that Mitchell acknowledged that his tight relationship with Major League Baseball left him open to criticism. I didn't know it was that tight, honestly. I mean, from what I read about him, it didn't seem that he had big ties to Major League Baseball before Seelig said, hey, do this report. But Mitchell responded to the concerns by stating that the readers who examined the report Closely, will not find any evidence of bias or special treatment of the Red Sox. So, you know, people just want to throw these out. People just try to throw these allegations you know, out there. That kind of makes you wonder a little bit. Yeah. You know. It's just so, you know, maybe Mitchell. Well, Mitchell's from Maine. Maine's in New England. Yeah, he's a Red Sox fan. Grew up a Red Sox fan, probably likely, because there's not another team other than that, around there other than that. Yeah. So. So of course there. I mean, because where he's from in the in this part of the country, there's going to be some allegations, you know, of conflict of interest. Because if he is a big Red Sox fan, you know, people think, well, he's not going to name his beloved, big beloved Red Sox guys, you know, like uh, Ortiz or Mar or uh, Ramirez, you know. Well, how do you want to wrap the report up, Matthew? That's a great question. Basically, the Mitchell report was a bombshell. It was a nuclear. It was a nuclear bombshell, bombshell. that changed. That definitely changed the perception of baseball with some fans, and I, it probably lost fans because now you have the cheaters thing. You're a cheater. You did. Oh, it's definitely affecting currently to this day Hall of Fame votes. Right. And as you being a guy that used to work as an intern at the Hall of Fame, I guarantee you, you got people asking you, even if you saw them in public up there, well, what about this? Why are they about the steroid guys? You know, and right. it's, a, it's a thing that the steroid guys will not get into the Hall of Fame. No. I mean, Barry Bonds, in my opinion, first ballot Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. But because he juiced. Or allegedly juiced. He's, he's never going to admit it, though. Well, or, or same thing with Clemens. We're not going to that debate, but just because he's attached to steroids. Yep. Same way Pete Rose and the gambling. And if you're attached to steroids, Marvin McGuire, Hall of Famer. Steroids. Nope. Sammy, Sammy Sosa, Sosa, Hall of Famer. Famer. Steroids. steroids. Nope. No. Roger Clemens, steroids. Nope. No. Um, so sad. Or like Jason Giambi, maybe. Yeah. I mean, can he, he, he's borderline. He probably, but, um, he probably um, like veterans. Committee. Who's the other pitcher for the Yankees? Um, Andy Pettit? Andy Pettit. Steroids. Nope. Kevin Brown? He, I would say he's there's too many. There's too many names you know, involved with that. Or you even know, Juan Gonzalez, you know? I mean, just... Or if if Juan Gonzalez did it, you know? But still... It's just but telling, there's just too many names attached to that, but they're never going like, to get in. This, because, because of, really, this report... Really right. opened a lot of people's eyes. Right. And this would not have happened, as I've said countless times, if Major League Baseball and Uberoff did something about this in the 1980s. But they didn't care. They got behind on it. They got behind on and it. And were trying to play catch up, and then it became a big old full dish on Bud Selig's plate. 
Right. And then, you know, with the home run race in 98, you know, you're pushing for these guys to do Oh, great. yeah. And you wanted them to do steroids because you wanted more home runs because right. home runs made – and y'all keep in mind, me and Matthew, we're both in our early 30s. The home run race of 98 is really what solidified an entire generation of baseball fans the same way Tiger Woods did for golf. Right. You know, I mean, this was monumental, but it was just, you know – it turned it turned those guys into villains, and but you know, baseball it seems like almost always is behind on the times compared to football or other sports. And now, I'm not even talking about that. It'll be a full different episode just about how what they're trying to do now is different. Right. We but, I, I don't even want to talk about the supposed rule changes. I don't, I don't want to talk about it. not today anyway. But it's just. Like I said, we're going to talk about the strikes. The strikes are going to get their own episode soon, but, you know. Yes, um, we're going to – and then we had a request for some other stuff. We're going to get that, and then we'll get the strikes. Right, because, you know, I mean, we have a list, but if, if people recommend something or request something, we will try to get that out. In a Baseball, H-I-S-101 at gmail.com. Yeah, we'll try to get that out on a fast, fairly fast basis. You know, we try to make that a priority. But we're bi-weekly. We'll get you when we get you. Yeah. I mean, it's going to happen. Don't don't worry. Don't. Even my dad sent me an email. I was so I was so stoked to get an actual email from somebody. So. All right. We finally got one after almost. Uh, I forget his name. I'd love to shout him out. You sent me a text about. Uh, I'm gonna, at, we'll give him a shout out. The, the Metroport ran. It's, it's wild. It, they really opened the eyes to everybody about how. Which is the thing that's been happening in baseball for probably decades. Yeah. Any little extra advantage you can get. Like, I remember Freddie Freeman, even in, after the Metro Report, had to get special allowance from LB to take his Adderall. Yeah. You know, and things like that. Yeah, it's just, it was a bombshell, and it will always be a part of baseball history, a big moment in baseball history. And it's just something that you cannot deny you cannot forget it you can't push it off to the side it did happen but yeah so the gentleman who sent us our first email uh well actually no my dad sent my first email but the guy after my dad was uh alan we love, you, we love you mr carter yeah what was his name alan woodall was the first yeah that was it yeah and he suggested Ricky Henderson, which yeah, we, we'll do Ricky Henderson in the next couple of episodes, right? And you know, we will, and we'll get to my dad's email eventually, but we're, we're, we'll, we'll do Ricky, yeah, we're gonna do Ricky, we're gonna do everybody's email, actually, Mr. Woodall, Alan, whichever you've heard me called, before we started recording this episode, we were talking about Ricky Henderson's stolen base percentage and how impressive it was. So that's gonna be the episode we cover, and um. I'm pretty sure he probably played at least a couple of rehab games here in Huntsville for the Stars back when they were the A's affiliate, you know? Yeah. So, but <clears throat> Mitchell Report is just something else, man. <laughs> it, it, put, it, it turned baseball on its head. Yeah, it turned baseball on its head. You know, you had all the fans calling various players cheaters. There's a lot of people that got accused of being cheaters that weren't just because the report called up. Right. And it was just, you know, 
you know, I, it's just, it's something else, man. I mean, what else can you say about the Mitchell report? It, it completely changed the landscape of not only baseball, but I think professional sports as a whole, as far as steroid testing and things like that go. Yeah. I mean, you know, it just, it was so monumental. That. That's all I really got to say about it. What about you, man? I, th- I think, I think I covered it. Um, yeah. This this will not uh, compared to the last episode. It, this is not a very long episode. <laughs> no, it's, it's nice to have a little short one, a little quick one for you guys. But um, I got a lot of edits on my sheet to make because we uh, stumbled around on a couple topics that we missed. But but it's all good, you know. We and I'm I'm gonna apologize for us being a couple days late on this episode. We both had life. We're not really making any money on this, which is where you need to like, rate, and subscribe on all of our channels. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm out of pocket for all of this right now, and Matthew's time, even my time. Yeah, but um, we appreciate y'all listening every week. Love you guys. Baseball his101 at gmail.com. If you want to, if you want to send a suggestion, and I guess until next time, I'm Patrick, and I'm Matthew, and I hope you keep enjoying baseball this week. Damn right. The Wiz Kids had won it, Bobby Thompson had done it, and Yogi read the comics all the while. Rock and roll was being born, marijuana we would scorn, so down on the corner the national pastime went on trial. We're talking baseball, Klazuski, Campanella, talking baseball, the man and Bobby Feller, the scooter, the barber and the nuke. They knew them all from Boston to Dubuque, especially Willie, Mickey, and the Duke. Well, Casey was winning, Hank Aaron was beginning, one Robbie going out, one coming in. Kiner and Midget Goodell, the Thumper and Mel Parnell, and Ike was the only one winning down in Washington. I'm talking baseball, Klazuski, Campanella, talking baseball. The man and Bobby Feller, the Scooter, the Barber, and the Duke. They knew them all from Boston to Dubuque, especially Willie, Mickey, and the Duke. Well, he swore he was the Oklahoma kid And Cookie played hooky to go and see the Duke And me, I always loved Willie Mann Those were the days Well, now it's the 80s And Brett is the greatest And Bobby Bonds can play for everyone Roses at the vet, Rusty again is a Met, and the great Alexander is pitching again in Washington. I'm talking baseball, like Reggie Quees and Barry, talking baseball, Carew and Gaylord Perry, Seaver, Darby, Schmidt, and by the blue. If Cooper's town is calling, it's no fluke, they'll be with
to do. Say hey, say hey, say hey. It was Willie, Nikki, and the Duke. Say hey, say hey, say hey. I'm talking with. 